Welcome aboard the BK Escape Pod. That's right, it's the augmented and bionic podcast version of the live show. You can hear Saturdays from 10 a.m. till 12 p.m. Eastern on 100.3 FM and AM 1450 WBHF Radio. You can stream the show live there Saturdays at WBHFradio.org or on the free TuneIn app. Look out, here we go. Stand by to receive our transmission. Do you see this stack right here? Do you see this mound of paper over here in front of me? Yeah. That's what I well, that's what I printed out to talk about and get to today. I'm never going to get to it, by the way. I mean, I'll, I'll, I don't want to even try to. I don't even want to try to tease anything because when I start trying to tease something on this show, I'll eventually never get to it, and then I'll get this message going. You were supposed to talk about the Bustle Sprouts and how they changed history and stuff, and I'm like, I know I said I was going to do that, but anything I don't, I'll promise you right now, anything that I don't get to today, I will put on Facebook like I always do. I mean, Walt is here, Brian's both here. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good, Good morning. You guys know that I forget to get to stuff because I just I want to make sure I have enough. Well, I'm going to have to go back and listen to this. Brussels sprout story. That sounds fascinating. Say, I do not know totally that Brussels sprouts saved the world. I mean, they were they, they did. I had that article. Wait, no or care? Didn't Wait, do which one? That's two different things. <laughs> you talk about no one care. That's all. That's this show. They're like, I don't know that, but do I care? I'm not really sure. <laughs> that's really Who cares the question. About that one guy that died on Star Trek that went on to be the most interesting man in the world <laughs> on those commercials, right? Uh, really? Last name uh, Goldstein. Yeah, the guy. I think it was his last name. Yeah, the guy. The guy with the beard. The first yeah, most yeah. interesting man in the world. Yeah. He was a red shirt on Star Trek back when he was acting in the sixties. Oh, wow. He certainly was. And I think, I think it's this side of paradise he's in. Because when Kirk's when they're when they're when they all get shot by the plants and it makes them happy in that episode. Yeah. They want to beam down to the planet. Kirk goes to the corridor and there's a bunch of people waiting to beam down to mutiny and leave the ship. I think one of them. Is him, or he's in one of the scenes. He doesn't have any lines, but the guy that plays the most interesting man in the world, the first one, and what was that for? Dosecki's? Yeah, yeah, he's yep. a yes. guy. Uh-huh. He was a red shirt in Star Trek. It may have been an ep- another episode where he's just in the background walking by Shatner or something like that. I just remember that episode where McCoy gets zapped, and then uh, he becomes more southern than he ever is. <laughs> Didn't <Right>. he though? <laughs> yeah. Hey, Jim, my boy. We need you. To- <laughs> we- well, Doctor, I've been thinking about what sort of work I could assign you to. What do you mean? What sort of work? I'm a doctor. Not anymore, of course. We don't need you, not as a doctor. Oh, no? You like to see just how fast I can put you in a hospital? (laughs) So they all got the happy scores in that episode. Well, we do have, speaking of some Star Trek news, let me just get, (laughs) look, I'm going to tease what I'm going to talk about today, but I'm going to keep it limited because I may not get to all of it. Uh, Speaking of Star Trek, we lost a Star Trek cast member this week. Uh, uh, Nichelle Nichols passed away at 89. I kind of have a little uh, tribute and a story. We'll do that coming up. What else do I have here? Oh, George's film industry. Brought a lot of money into the state this year. We're going to talk about that. That made the news all over the place. And I don't know if I'm going to talk about this or not. Maybe this will be in the news flashes, but I have an extra one. You guys remember the Cat Food Fancy Feast? Yes. Mm-hmm. You heard of that yeah. one? They're opening a restaurant for humans in Europe. No, thanks. Okay. Well, it, it's, it may not be what you think it is, but they, they, it's them that are opening a restaurant. I'll have the details about that coming up. I don't think I want to eat anything made by a hey, cat buddy, food company. Hey, don't knock it's it till you try it, okay? Uh, I don't know if they say details. I don't know. 
puns on this show. And, uh, uh, soap opera, a, a, a well-known, long-running soap opera, is le- soap opera is leaving a network and going to streaming. They're not going to be able to see it anymore. I hope these people that love the soap opera have the streaming service because they're not going to be able to see it unless they have it. We got that. Flashback Cinema and Fathom Events have some great classic motion pictures coming up that we can all see in the theater. One of them I'm definitely going to see, possibly two of them. And uh, two things that I've watched recently on streaming I will talk about today, and I'll tell you about it. The, the, on Disney+, Plus, there's a docu-show, documentary show called Light and Magic. And I don't know if you've, have you started, Brian, have you started watching it yet? Started the first I saw episode, the yeah. first episode Uh-oh. last night. It's, an, it's, it's kind of a, a, a documentary about the Industrial Light and Magic special effects house that have, has done a lot of movies. But the first episode shows how these guys all came together, and it was just like a perfect storm, how they all met each other, and they didn't know what to do, but yet they did know what to do, and, and working in seven, 1976 on Star Wars before it was released. It's a great show so far. I'll get into that and tell you about that. And also, I streamed... Um, I streamed Prey last night, a movie called Prey. It's the Predator prequel. It's like a prequel to the movie Predator that was released back by 20th, 20th Century Fox with Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think it was 87 when Predator came out, the first one. This one is great. I, I give it a big thumbs up. And I, I can actually tell you about it right now. It's set in 1719, and it takes place uh, in an area where the Comanche Indians are and what's in the, in, the, in the part of the United States. And it is... It is so much of a kind of a departure over the last few Predator films that I think they actually what I liked about it is they tried to do something different and they did. It was it was it was great. Um, there's a lot of homages to the first film with Arnold in it, believe it or not, and how they got him in there. You'll see. And plus, um, there's a great Easter egg in it to Predator Two with Danny Glover. Uh, there's something that happens in Predator Two with Danny Glover if you remember Predator Two when it came out. In this film, you'll see how it ties into like one of the later end scenes. Of Predator Two with Danny Glover, and plus the um, it's suspenseful. It's it's whoever the the whoever the cinematographer is is fantastic. There's some great shots of the uh, of of the I guess it's the Pacific Northwest area where they filmed it. I guess or some of the spots. It's be, it may have been British Columbia. Who knows? They may have filmed it in Canada. I'll have to look it up because some places stand in for other places. Because you know Atlanta stands in for New York in the Avengers. It's it's yeah. Atlanta. Cartersville stands in for Missouri for Missouri for <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy. You're right. This city's a great actor. It really it's is. acting today. It's fa- it's great. So it's it's a beautiful beautiful shot movie too, and it's suspenseful. It builds up a lot of uh, uh, the effects are kind of cool. There's a couple of shots in it where I'm like, oh, okay, well that's a I can kind of tell that's a CGI mountain lion there in that shot but again it's only for a quick shot of it you know because they needed to i don't think they could train a mountain lion to do what it did in this in this film or the bear that's in it either they they i don't think they could you know bart the bear that actor bear that was out yeah. for so many mm-hmm. years he was great in that uh, movie remember the movie uh, and i showed this to brian not too long ago with anthony hopkins and alec baldwin called the edge uh, wouldn't it call the edge yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah great movie and bart the bears in it there's, i don't think there's one cg shot in that film back then it was one of those final films where they actually used a real bear that was trained to do stuff this is not a real bear and prey but the predator looks different in this so we know there's different species of predators that look different like all of us humans we all all our faces are different uh really different some of us <laughs> i was gonna say some yeah. of us more than others this predator is interesting there's a lot of different things it looks like the predator in this film has a little limited technology compared to the future predators because it's you know it's many 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 years ago so they're but they still have spaceships though they still have that big open mouth <laughs> that goes and stuff. yeah the so bug mouth it's great yeah the odd mouth so i give it a thumbs up we might talk a little bit more about it when we come back and definitely 
light and magic, the industrial light and magic. All that, flash the audience. Pat McCormack, Golden Rage of TV, is BK on the air. If it bleeds, we can kill it. We will return after these messages. Kenner's new Bionic Woman Jamie Summers and the new Bionic Beauty Salon sold separately, assembly required. Jamie Summers had a rest mission. We better check her bionic system. She's okay. Steve Austin will be here soon. Now brush and comb her beautiful hair. She's here. She's ready. The Bionic Beauty Salon, new from Kenner. The Bionic Woman sold separately. I'm June Lockhart, and I've served a lot of fried chicken to my family. But fried chicken can be a little greasy. That's why I'm so happy with shake and bake. You shake and bake. No frying. So your chicken comes out crispy, but not greasy like fried chicken. Mmm, you could really taste the difference. Crispy, but not greasy like fried chicken. Shake and bake. It's better than frying. Elliot Ness hails the underworld. Hold it! Get out of there with your hands up. The hail of bullet answer from those who blaze defiance at the untouchables. Relentlessly driving on to face new dangers from the never-ending cavalcade of criminals who follow in the blood-stained footsteps of those who defy the law. They're gonna be breathing down their necks. Every move they make, every place they go, every dime they spend. Sooner or later, they're gonna make a mistake and I wanna know about it. Robert Stack as Elliot Ness, kingpin of the untouchables, most honored of all dramatic series, and now going on to win new acclaim with its suspense-filled, action-paced stories of men against the mob. Exploding with new excitement, the untouchables, every week on ABC TV. <laughs> Greetings, fellow classic TV fans. The Untouchables ran for four seasons from 1959 to 63 with 118 regular episodes and a two-part pilot. The squad earned their nickname by being known as honest men that could neither be bribed nor intimidated. The successful Desilu show did, however, meet with a bit of notable disapproval. A lawsuit was filed against the CBS, Desilu Productions, and sponsor Westinghouse Electric by a certain family who didn't care for how they were depicted. It was brought on by none other than Al Capone's family, and it ultimately failed. Another prominent individual by the name of Frank Sinatra publicly claimed he didn't appreciate the stereotypes of Italian-American characters on the show being commonly portrayed as criminal types and thugs. The National Association for Better Radio and Television felt the excessive violence, along with depictions of drug abuse and prostitution, made the untouchables unfit for the television screen. Ultimately, Desi Arnaz, who ironically attended some years of grade school with Al Capone's son, bowed to the pressures by issuing a statement vowing to eat the stereotypical typecasting on the show. Despite these hurdles, The Untouchables guest starred some of the biggest names in the business. For example, Barbara Stanwyck, Robert Redford, Lee Marvin, Elizabeth Montgomery, Leonard Nimoy, and the list goes on. Actors considered for the lead role of Elliot Ness included Van Johnson, Fred McMurray, Jack Lord, and Cliff Robertson. But it was Robert Stack who took home the Emmy for his legendary portrayal. This is Pat McCormick with your retro TV trivia from the Golden Rage of TV. You can also find Find me on YouTube and Facebook at Golden Range of TV and on Twitter at Golden Range of TV One. And now back to BK on the air. 
At the edge of the universe, 400 men and women are probing the immeasurable blackness of space. Their leaders are an Earthman with no fear and a stranger with no heart. Travel beyond our time and solar system into new galaxies, into worlds beyond your dreams. Star Trek, every week, in color on the NBC television network. See, in our century, we've learned not to fear words. May I present our communications officer, Lieutenant Uhura. Give me that. I'll protect you, fair maiden. Sorry, neither. Oh, you. Oh, on the Starship Enterprise, there's someone who's in Satan's guise. I'm afraid I changed my mind again. You take a lot of chances, Lieutenant. So do you, mister. So do you. You dance the white. Thank you, Heinz. thinking of all the times on the Enterprise when I was scared to death. I would see you so busy at your command. And I would hear your voice from all parts of the ship. And my fears would fade. Mr. Spock, sometimes I think if I hear that word frequency once more, I'll cry. Nichelle Nichols. That's a little MeTV tribute right there of Nichelle Uhura from the original series Star Trek, which ran from 1966 to 1969. A lot of people think it ran for a whole lot longer than that, but it didn't. I mean, it just thought, sounded, felt like it did through the 70s. It was in syndication for yeah, so thanks, long. Yeah, thanks, CBS. Yeah, or NBC, rather. Or NBC. Yeah. Now, yeah. now, it's funny, but you got it. You got it. You don't know how right you are, because CBS owns Star Trek now. Yes. Yes, right, they do. CBS. This story is from Tracy Wright at Fox News. You could find stories all over the internet, but this particular story is from Fox News about Nichelle Nichols. She was known for, for portraying Lieutenant Nyota Uhura on all three seasons of the original show and from six Star Trek films from 1979 through 1991, ending with Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Memorial flowers were placed on her Hollywood Walk of Fame star on Monday, August the 1st at 1 p.m., which was dedicated to Nichols on January 9th of 1992. That's the year that she got her star. And we went through it once here on the air about what it takes mm -hmm. to get a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. You don't just get one. If, a lot of fans and a lot of people have to get together and sponsor you and fill out paperwork and put up, I think it's $30,000 or something like yeah. that. Just pool it. You know, you take donations and stuff. And you don't just get a star on the Walk of Fame. You have to get approved and raise the money to do it. So there, it's it's a like a fan-based thing they don't they don't honor you. hollywood doesn't honor you by just giving you one you have to earn it by having the fans petition and do it or the people that admire you now nichols had additional health related issues in recent years and suffered a minor stroke in 2015 she was also reportedly suffering from dementia and involved in a guardianship battle a lot of which was heard in a, a 911 call that she made a few years back which sounded very weird and, and odd and, and very disturbing to listen to and she did a video 
I can't remember what it was or, or for a convention or an upcoming thing where she was talking and saying, hey, I'll be, uh, 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 I'll be, Haley Frequency's open, I'll be attending this convention. And that's the last video that I think I saw of her, and she seemed to be talking very slowly, and, and it was hard to see her that way. So, yeah, she, she definitely was suffering from that. Uh, now, William Shatner, who starred as Captain James T. Kirk, wrote about her, quote, I am so sorry to hear about the passing of Nichelle. She was a beautiful woman and played an admirable character that did so much for re- redefining social issues both here in the U.S. and throughout the world. I will certainly miss her, sending my love and condolences to her family, unquote. Now, during the third season of Star Trek, uh, you heard a little snippet of it there in the in the audio that I played. Nichols and Shatner made television history when they shared an interracial kiss. And I've heard different stories about it for her. And it, well, I've heard the same story from her, and he tells it a little differently. But uh, they wanted, they didn't want him to do it. And you've heard about this too, Brian. You're That's very it. familiar with it. But I've heard that Shatner was so adamant about the the, the one where they kiss being the tape that they use that he that he actually screwed the screwed up all the takes except for one where they're on camera and he just screwed up all the rest of them on purpose yeah on purpose and yeah. Mm-hmm. that way because he goes i know they told me that if, the, if they're going to play you and your they're going to play two of these they, they, they're going to they're going to they're going to they, they said they'll film it both ways but he goes i know which one they'll use the one that we don't want them to use that's the one they'll use where we don't really see us kiss so he so he purposely messed up all of the all of the takes except for one that's what i heard yeah and so they had to use that one take. Well, you know, she almost quit the show at one point because she didn't feel like she was yeah, getting enough airtime. Yeah. And Martin Luther King Jr. met her and met with her and said, no, please do not leave the show. Apparently he was a huge fan of the show, but just also right. from the impact that she was having with that yeah. character on culture and society right. in general. And uh, it's hard through our eyes today to appreciate that, but she really did have a huge impact. Very, yeah. Well, I I, I, got, I had the pleasure of meeting her twice uh, in Atlanta, and both times she couldn't have been more nice, gracious, and just the sweetest person, you know, just to talk to or whatever, not knowing who you are when she talks to you, but she knows she had fans. And I was talking to her, and there, there's just a handful of celebrities that I've talked to that will talk to you like they know you and you know them. They're so personal about it. Some of them are a little different. Some of them are a little cold and standoffish. Everybody has a different personality. But she was gracious and very nice. When she when she was talking to me uh, in Atlanta a couple of times, so it's almost like I could just wow. ask her anything. And I think again, when I meet these celebrities, especially Star Trek celebrities, whenever I get to my, the lucky opportunity to run into them, the last thing I ask them about is Star Trek. I, I'm like every question's been answered. I'm gonna, gonna ask you any more Star Trek questions. So we had Richard Hatch on the show many years ago when I was at another radio station interviewing Richard from Battlestar Galactica and you know I, I threw in the a couple of you know Battlestar Galactica questions and asked him because that's what he's best known for but you know he was also in the later episodes of uh, Streets of San Francisco with oh, uh, Carl yeah. Malden he right. replaced Michael Douglas yeah. when he left and then he also played um, he also played uh, a Walton's cousin on the Waltons he played their cousin that lived deep in the woods with, with his parents and they were much more country and hillbilly than the Waltons were and it was a great role and he loved being on there and, and he, he told me once he goes thank you for asking me the Walton's question. No one ever asked me that. I'm like, well, you're on it. It was a great role. So I try to steer myself in a different direction. You know what I mean. Oh, yeah. What possible... uh... If you ran into William Shatner in an elevator... What Star Trek question could you possibly ask him that's not been answered? I, I would just not, not do that. Not because I could find it all on the internet. I saw him on one, one uh, his one man show here in Atlanta a few years ago. And he oh yeah, had, that's right. I remember you went. To probably that. he had about two minutes of 
how he got in, how he got the thing to start, and, and how he got Star Trek. And he said, da 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 da. I got this and this. Right. I met this person, and that's all I want to talk about Star Trek. He talked about his dad, and he talked about his growing up and their things that they did. It was, and that kind of stuff is fascinating. It is. Uh, his love of life is just. That's what I want to ask him. How do you get? This? Is it? Can I buy this? Is this? How are you like this? I, I want some. I want to know what he's eating. Yeah. I want to know who his trainer, personal trainer is, and I want to know what he does. And I want to know if, we've said it before, I want to know if he actually has a painting of himself locked in the attic. <laughs> Picture of Dorian Gray. I want to know right. if he has that, too, because he he is. I, when everybody says how old he is, I'm like, he's not, he doesn't act like that. No. Well, and I think he a, a lot of it is attitude. I mean, we talked attitude. about my dad in the first hour or in the, the last hour. Yeah. Um, just 80 years old, still going strong, carries his own golf bag around the golf course. I, I think that, I mean, obviously there are things that throw us curveballs in life, but attitude plays such a huge part. And Shatner, like you said, mm. every interview you've ever seen with a guy, everything he's ever done, he just loves life mm-hmm. and, and, and savors it. And I think that really helps that longevity and mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, we have friends and we know people personally that in their that are in their mid to late 50s probably 60 that act 90 mm-hmm. and i'm like you're just way too old before your yeah, time. you're not just an old soul you're an old man i have underwear older than you i'm like i'm sure you do <laughs> Yeah, that. it's on your head. We see it. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of underwear, did you know yesterday or the day before yesterday was national? It was National Underwear Day. Oh, I had no like, idea. It was like Thursday or Friday. I can't remember which day it was. I'm like, it's National Underwear Day. All right, That's great. Too bad for those people that go commando. Right. You don't right. get today. You I get to celebrate. Yeah, you do not get to celebrate. <laughs> so the rest of us get to. Ce- you do not. No. You well, need to go reevaluate your, your life. Up to the bottom of the hour here. I don't have really a lot of time to get into an in-depth story, but I do want to reiterate that uh, I saw Prey. If you get a chance, it's on Hulu, the movie Prey. It's a prequel to Predator, and it's set in the year 1719 uh, in the Comanche Nation in the United... What was not not quite the United States yet, but uh, it, it even has a couple of scenes in it that are kind of uh, dances with wolves-like. I mean, it has a little bit of everything. But uh, imagine them, I, I don't, and I don't know whether it's the case, but I think this is maybe the, pers- the first predator alien to visit Earth. This is the first time they've been there. They visited Earth in 1719. So, you know, they no cell phones. There's no rocket launchers. There's no grenades. Arrows. There's no Arnold. No Arnold. <laughs> bows and arrows. And- Bows and arrows, uh, knives, Is it spears. A movie or it's a stream. It's a movie. Okay. It's a movie. And I originally thought they were going to release it in a theater, but this is another one where it's theater quality. It could be in a theater because it's really good. Speak on air. We will return after these messages. Ever watch kids play with weebles? It's really something. Hey, hey, look at me and weeble. Me and weeble go all around. One day, kids pretend they're flying into Weeble Airport. Next day, they play around the Weeble Cottage. Or if it's real nice, they go out to the Weeble Marina and go fishing. Hey, hey, look at me and Weeble. The Weebles waddle, but they don't fall down. Romperoo makes Weeble toys. Cholesterol levels of many Americans are too high, but for a group of people in New Jersey, cholesterol went down. They joined in a total dietary program to reduce cholesterol. Less fats, lean meats, egg and cheese substitutes, and highly polyunsaturated foods, including Promise Margarine. Promise is highly polyunsaturated. The results? Their average cholesterol level went down. Down significantly. And Promise tastes like butter. Promise. Identify for retina scan. 
Yeah. So what kind of, my daughter just actually said yesterday she wanted to come on the show. So we can talk about, yeah. What? Uh, yeah. Said, your you know your Lou? daughter wants you know to come Desi on the show? Or Star Trek or anything? She goes, no. I said, well, there you go. What you what can wanting. what can Al talk about if she comes know, on the show? Well. Maybe we can just bounce things off of her. She does the Harry Potter. And she stuff. does. Uh, oh, really? Doctor Who. Some uh, so funny. Yeah, so funny. You should mention that. We yeah, watched Star Wars, we watched two Potters last night. Yeah, they were on uh, some one of the stations and. I guess she's starting early, getting ready for the Universal trip. She's like a, she's like a warming up in the bullpen before we talk, go to Universal. Stacy will start watching Harry Potter films to kind of warm up. It's her workout, it getting ready to go to the Wizarding World of Harry I Potter. I understand. You know the place where you want to camp out and live. I did I when did. you were there. And you want to stay trip, there. I just left the family and I went on my own home. by myself for two hours. He did. He, did. he left. Yeah. He left and went to walk around the park. Left early. The hotel just to li- just left them behind. Went, yeah. Like I'm Some going to the park by myself. But it had to be my birthday, so it was that it was my birthday. Now what's funny is what he don't say is. The park was closed, so the cops brought him back to the hotel and said, right. you got to wait until the park opens. Yeah. Sorry, that whole jumping, That's the whole jumping the fence thing. It's, we don't allow right. that here. Yeah, not, it's frowned upon for some reason. <laughs> Sped up time in two hours. Well, you know what? We're big movies fans. Big Flash. Big news Flash. We're big movies fans, right? Us? Oh, what? Hmm. What are you talking about? Uh, yeah. Doesn't sound right. Well, thanks to Fathom Events and Flashback Cinema, oh my goodness, there's so many movies coming out. Older classic movies that you're going to be able to see in the theater. And for me, I'm very happy because the best, in my humble opinion, the best superhero film in the world that has ever been, my number one superhero movie, is being released to see on the big screen. Batman and Robin. Wrong, sir. Wrong. From a doomed planet in a distant galaxy to a fantastic underground hideaway. From the fortress of solitude to the bustling city room of the Daily Planet. Look, up on the screen, it's Superman. Superman, the movie. 1978, Superman, the movie, flashback cinema on Sunday, August 14th, and Wednesday, August 17th, I guess maybe I'll go Sunday, the blockbuster which launched the modern era of superhero movies presented in 4K digital, Christopher Reeves gives a star-making performance as the Man of Steel, and Gene Hackman is the delightfully diabolical and supremely confident Lex Luthor, directed by the late Richard Donner, and music, as you heard, by John Williams himself. I saw someone post something about Gene. You guys know Gene Hackman's retired from acting. Yes. And he turned, it's like 90 or 91 or whatever, and somebody posted a film of him the other day, and he lives... Was it just outside of Albuquerque or or, um, or or somewhere up around Las Vegas or something? And they say he just goes out and goes shopping, and people say hi to him and stuff, and he lives a nice, quiet life now away from Hollywood. And he is one of those guys where he is a – I've always thought Gene Hackman's a phenomenal actor. The guy is great in oh, everything everything he's, in. he's ever in. I mean, do you, do you have like a – speaking of Superman coming out, which is to me, again, I said it, the greatest superhero movie of all time because it has like it's a three-act play it's it's um it's krypton then we move into small the smallville section of the movie then we move to the metropolis thing it's almost three acts perfectly put together a screen written by mario puzo who wrote uh, the godfather well wrote a lot of it some of it they say and i think that was instrumental in getting 
uh, Marlon Brando to play Jor-El in it back yeah. in the day, which at the time was the highest paid role any actor had done for his time on screen. I think he was playing. I think he was playing, making like a ten million dollars a second or something like that. It was a large amount of money. They figured it out how much he got. And he and again, when I hear more about Marlon Brando, it amazes me. They're like, oh, Marlon didn't know any of his lines. Every time in Superman, all his lines are written around where he can look at them. He just I didn't would. bother to learn them. I'm like, well, I guess when you're that big of a legend, you can get away with yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, you just show up. They write you, know, you, you a check. If we tried to do that, they're like, you're fine. You don't know your lines? Get off the set. <laughs> you just don't have that clout. But if you're him, you can do that. You know. But Brian, if you had to pick your favorite role that Gene did, Gene Hackman, what would you pick was his favorite, your favorite role by Gene Hackman? Oh, my Hackman? gosh. Um, y'all are going to think I'm ridiculous. Um, well, we already think yeah, that, okay, but that's well, okay. Well, that's, that just goes without saying. Um, Royal Tannenbaums has got to be one of my favorite that's roles. Fu- that's really, it, yeah, it's actually good. It's a, a very good role for him. It's completely just... Uh, that's like people saying, I love James Caan in Elf. Well, he was great right. in Elf. It was, it's it was really yeah. funny. It's, yeah. so, it's one of yeah. those recent ones that I remember that we watch. We do continue. To, when that one comes on, when I'm going to the store, right. I'm stopping until the movie's over. But Right. Yeah. So is that you have another one in mind too uh, from him? Would go back to Superman. Now I'm just going to blank on all the others he did, and he did so many great ones. Well, uh, Walt, how about you and uh, Gene Hackman? He, he played the captain of the submarine in Crimson, Crimson Tide. Tide. Yes. Yep. And I, I, he he has a lot of great roles, but that one is my favorite. Wow, I forgot about Crimson Tide. Who was in that? Denzel, Denzel. Washington, right? Denzel. Yeah. That's yep. when they had the they were supposed to carry out their nuclear orders, but there was this question about it. Yep, the, him on it or something. Yeah, that's right. The I need to radios see that went down. I haven't and... seen that in a long time. Well, I have two. Aside from the fantastic portrayal of Lex Luthor, I'm sorry. His his role as Lex <laughs> Luthor in Superman, he's so funny and dangerous at the same time. I thought it was great, which is weird because Lex Luthor in Superman the movie, the way Gene Hackman plays him, he has never been that way in the comic book. He's always been very evil. He yeah. always builds like these battle suits and fights Superman and stuff. But then later on in the 80s, they kind of turned him into something a little more believable, which was actually good. They kind of turned him into this big mogul businessman, kind of like the kingpin in Daredevil. This where he's a threat right. in that way, but he, he can just pay for everything being done to Superman if he needs it. But his portrayal is in Superman and Superman too, as uh, as Lex Luthor is my favorite performance. A, a very close honorable mention. There was a movie came out called Narrow Margin with him and Ann Archer, hmm. which they're stuck on a train and there's killers after them because she witnessed a murder in a penthouse going out with this guy. Have you guys ever seen Narrow Margin? I don't think so. That is a great thriller. Gene Hackman plays the agent that's that's that needs to get her to court so she can testify against the, the mob boss that 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 ordered or or killed this guy, this this guy that they knew in the thing. And what's funny is he's a he's like a he works for a government agency, but for some reason he's with the treasury or something that needs to get her to uh, to her her test of, to get her to into safety, but he doesn't have a gun with him. He's not armed. So they're stuck on this train to try to get it's long before cell phones and stuff. So if you're watching it, it's like the early late eighties. Yeah, just call nine one one. Yeah, just just tell somebody. But uh, if you remember a character actor named James B. Sicking, Brian, yeah. uh, Brian will know him. You guys will know him. He, he was he in played, uh, Hill Street Blues. He was right? in Hill Street Blues. He also played the captain of the Excelsior in Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Yeah, oh, right. And he played uh, uh, the guy who uh, he's also in Outland with Sean Connery. He's one of the one of the marshals on, oh, on yeah. Jupiter's Moon. Right. He was a great character actor. My buddy Herb Henderson actually interviewed him once and got to talk to him. Great guy. Um, but he's also in he's in Narrow Margin on the on the train. He's the main guy trying to kill them, trying to kill her. And it's a, if you now that you haven't seen it, you need to put narrow margin on your list. It is yeah, a fantastic yeah. movie. It's directed by Peter Himes, the guy that directed Outland and a lot of other movies. Uh, but narrow margin, 
and and uh, Superman the movie. My oh, two favorite Gene Hackman roles. Unforgiven. 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 Oh, oh, yeah. well, he just is that movie in general. Awesome, Everybody in that movie is so yeah, great. We did a show on that podcast, and we did uh, another Gene, ha- uh, Bonnie Clyde. Yep, yeah, first, right. The early wow, one. that yeah. was to- so way out of his character. And, we'll, yeah. and, we'll, and we'll never forget his cameo that a lot of people don't even recognize him. His cameo as the blind man in Young Frankenstein. Yes. <laughs> Which no one sometimes knows. Honestly, probably my favorite. It's a plate. Where are you going? I was going to make espresso. <laughs> and he's uncredited. He... Go listen to season one of The Wilder Ride. Yeah, just listen to the There's so much we good talk, that we, we talk, talk about, about Gene Hackman. So I mean, all the way through. It, it's so great. I mean, well, let's yeah. get back to the list here. Flashback Cinema on Sunday, August 21st, and Wednesday, August 27th. You can go back to the future and see Back to the Future on the big screen, too. Never saw. I think I saw Back to the Future 2 in the theater, and that was it. That's For some reason, I never... Really? I, I wasn't really into those back then. I, I, it was, they were okay, but I thought yeah, I had more appreciation of them later. That's, That's just the, a fun The movie. third one is the Western one, where they go yeah. back to the Western yeah. ones. 1958, The Blob, the original Blob, is coming out on Sunday, September the 4th, and Wednesday, September 7th from uh, from Flashback Cinema. Check it out. I've got one more. There's a Bond. We're talking about James Bond? There's a James Bond movie coming out through Fathom Events. When we come back, I'll tell you about which one that one is. Sounds like Lisa and Scott are trapped in the icy cave of that frosty-faced felon, Captain Cold. This is a job for Superman. My fast freeze zapper will freeze Superman forever. No way, Captain. Dear kids, my new Superman hot cocoa mix is the super-tasting way to warm up. And see, Captain Cold can't take this warm reception. New Superman hot cocoa, the super-tasting way to warm up. Blip is the digital game that you can take with you anywhere. With the batteries you supply, the light-emitting diode zips across the screen. You try to press the right button to send it back. An automatic readout keeps score. Two people or only one can play. When you play with Blip, you get carried away. (laughs) So does Blip. Blip, the digital game from Tomy. Blip. Hey, we're back. It's BK on the air here on AM 1450 and 100.3 FM WBHF. I want to tell you about one more movie that you can see on the big screen that you may not have seen on the big screen, unless you're a lot older than I am, and were able to go see it when it came out. The first Bond 007 film, Dr. No, is being released on August the 21st. Go to uh, fathomevents.com to find out where and when and what times it's playing at your local theater. So there you go. First Bond film with Sean Connery, not the first appearance of James Bond. That was on a live television event called Casino Royale with Barry with Nelson. David. Oh, Barry Nelson. Barry Nelson, right. an American playing Jimmy Bond, which Jimmy. had nothing to do with James Bond. But it really was his first appearance uh, in any media like that, uh, entertainment media like TV or movies, was on a live TV event called, uh, and you may know who the guy is that played him, Barry Nelson. Do you did, know who Barry Nelson is? Did he interview uh, Jack Torrance? In The Shining. He's the guy that introduced him for The Shining. And he was in an episode of Battlestar Galactica. And, uh, yeah, he was in a few things. He was around. But, yeah, he played Jimmy Bond. But, yeah, Dr. No, August the 21st, fathomevents.com. Check it out. So, there, you can see The Blob, the original 1958 movie, The Blob, Back to the Future from 1985, this month as well. And Superman, the movie, presented in 4K. Those three are through flashback cinema, which is fantastic. Like sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. 
Hey, we're back. It's BK on there. Little days of our lives there. This this story is from John Otterson at Variety.com. Why did I play that? This is why Days of Our Lives is going to move to the streaming service Peacock after nearly 60 years on NBC. The long-running NBC soap opera is officially moving to the NBC Universal-owned streaming platform starting on September the 12th. It has aired on NBC since it first launched in 1965. It's only one year older than me. Oh, my goodness. Good night. Wow. I'm not moving to Peacock, though. That I know know of. I don't know. Things happen around here without being told me. Currently, the show airs daily on NBC, while past episodes are available to stream on Peacock. Also, beginning on September the 12th, in the time slots previously occupied by Days of Our Lives, NBC News Daily will debut across NBC stations. The hour-long program is anchored by NBC News team, including Katie Snow and uh, Morgan Radford. It will also be streamed simultaneously on NBC News Now and Peacock. Days of Our Lives was renewed for seasons 57 and 58 at NBC in 2021. What other show can say, we've ran for 58 years? That's crazy. Who else can say that? They're on their way, though. (laughs) They really are. 60 Minutes? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The series celebrated its 55th anniversary in the year 2020. It aired its 14,000th episode in December of 2020 and remains NBC's longest-running series of all time. This marks the latest movement of a legacy broadcast show to a streaming platform in recent times. Previously, ABC announced that Dancing with the Stars would leave the broadcast network in favor of Disney+. Plus. Season 31 of the show will now debut on that streaming service in September. CBS also shifted its show Seal Team and Evil to the streaming platform Paramount Plus ahead of their new seasons. Wouldn't it be funnier if they just combined those shows together and just called it Evil Seal Team? <laughs> that would be kind of funny. That's an Evil Seal Team. What anybody, do they do? They club baby seals. Did y'all get caught up in soaps at all? No. I never watched a soap opera. Now, don't get me wrong. I argued with my mom. I said... Yeah, I said, well, you know, you watch you watch Dallas. She goes, that's not a soap. I'm like, yes, it is. It's called a nighttime soap. Mm-hmm. Dallas, Dynasty, Falcon Crest. And name another one. You know, they were all CBS over the place at night. Uh, <laughs> the aforementioned 60 Minutes yeah. that I was just talking about. Yeah, I mean, they're all they're all. Uh, my wife watches a show now called is streaming called Virgin River, which is about a show in British Columbia about a community of people, and you know there's things going on between them and stuff. And I'm like, this is soap opera. It's just soap mm-hmm. opera. Yeah, is all it is. Now I, I did. There's one soap opera I did watch or tried to watch as a kid, uh, but it scared me. Uh, it was Dark Shadows, <laughs> which it oh. was a soap opera, but it only oh, scared yeah. vampires right. in it and and horror and stuff, which is. They classified the, it as a soap. I actually just watched the movie. That's, is that why you brought it up? Because you have cameras in my house still. She watched what? Dark Dark Shadows. The, which the movie? movie? What movie? With Tim who? Burton. Oh, nope. I don't I don't recognize that as a Dark <laughs> Shadows movie. And by the way, I, I have I'll uh, I don't know about speaking to her anymore after after she's her watching that because she still hasn't watched. Uh, she still's never seen uh, Smoking the Bandit. Oh my! What? Gosh. Yeah. I mean, come on. And she wow. grew up in Alabama. Yeah. I don't know how that missed her. Yeah, I thought, so, thought that was required almost, for citizenship. It's almost like you cannot there. continue living here movie, though, so. unless you see yeah. that. Uh, well, it's the South. Yeah, I mean, it's the South. Yeah. Again, so, Atlanta. well, do you think that there's one person who walks around and goes, you know, my dad worked at NBC, and he thought there's no way that Days of Our Lives was ever going to take off. <laughs> he was really against it, and I wonder if he's still working there. Yeah, yeah, maybe. It's like the exact. 60. It's like the exact. 
at, uh, I don't know if it was Paramount or United Artists or whatever. It's like the exec that told Lucas, George Lucas, no, we're not interested in that Star Wars oh, thing. That's Just Wars. take it somewhere else. Yeah, take it somewhere else. Go over to 20 Century Fox. Yeah. Those goofy guys at 20 Century Fox, they'll, they'll take it. Go over and talk to them. <laughs> yeah, The guy that invented New Coke. Yeah, where, where's, where's that yeah, PR that guy. Where's that PR guy? He's over there on that street corner right there. You know, Alan and I, yeah, was, Alan and I were talking about that. Talking to himself. We were talking about that New Coke thing, and some people are convinced it was a PR stunt to revitalize Coca-Cola's classic I would not formula. be surprised. And it worked. If that was the case, it worked. Yeah, oh, <laughs> it definitely worked. Yeah, because everybody was um, up at arms, and yeah. All right, I don't know if I have time to do that, do this, because I want to do it last week with you guys in here. It's summertime. I know Alan's down by the ocean. That's why he's not here. He's in St. Augustine. Shark season. It's summertime. So uh, all the sharks are out there. Fox News has this quiz called How Well Do You Know Sharks? And I'm going to alternate between you guys on the questions. And it's all multiple choice. I'm going to give you the question, and uh, we'll go with Brian first since he's our, our new guy here that's here with us. Uh, here's the first question about sharks. When sharks jump out of the water... What is this movement called when they do that? It's either leap, jump, bump, or breach. What is it called when a shark jumps out of the water, Brian? What was the middle thing? Um, or there's two middles. There's four of them. Two <laughs> leap, jump, bump, or breach. Well, I'll go with breach. You'll there, say Barry. breach. Okay. And you are correct. It is oh, breach. So yeah, you got it good right. job. All right. Next question. Walt, which feature of a shark is as unique as a fingerprint, like our fingerprints. Is it its spots, its fin, its skin, or its teeth? It's the fin. pattern of its teeth. The fin. The fin. You said fin. That is incorrect. It is the it is the uh, it's the spots, the design oh, of the white against the dark and stuff. It's just as prominent oh, oh. as our fingerprints. Yeah. Next question, Brian. Sharks prefer to attack women. True or false? We all prefer to. I'm just kidding. No, I'm not um, answering that question. If you want, we are on the air, you know. That was not. Um, Microphone's on. False. That would be true. Exactly. They are man-eating sharks. So there you go. (laughs) That was actually one of the questions. All right, I got this one wrong. Walt, I I just want to warn you. I got this one wrong. Here's the next question, Walt. How many bones does a shark have in its body total? 73, 144, these are your choices, 17, or zero. That's your choices. How many bones does a shark have? Dun, 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 dun. I'm going with 17. 17. That would be incorrect. It's shark zero. have zero bones. Yeah, it's all cartilage. I was just thinking the teeth and the jaws. It's but all cartilage. It's all cartilage. I got that wrong, yeah. too. Their whole body. Uh, here we go back to Brian. Another true false one for you. Are sharks co- sharks are colorblind? True or false? Sharks are colorblind. Is that statement true or is it false? I I think that's true. You say it's true. You'd be correct. They are colorblind. Oh, so if you were a nice, beautiful red dress, they now, don't care. Bull, bull would recognize that. Maybe I don't, <laughs> I don't know if that's true either. But they seem to hate red in the Warner Brothers cartoons. They that's all like I know. Uh, back to Walt. The shark quiz from Fox News. Since it's the summertime and it's the shark season. Where are the ears of a shark located? In its fins, or in its tail, in its head, or in its stomach? Where are the ears of the shark located? Because shark can hear to a certain degree, I think. I'm going to do my best to miss all these. I'll go with head. <laughs> you went with head. 
You just blew it, Walt. That's right. <laughs> oh, dang it. Sorry. I know you want to be I can't even right. do a good job getting it wrong. Right. So, yeah. That just right, seemed too weird. It, and I got part. this one wrong because I was misinformed on this. Here we go back to, to, to Brian, who goes to the beach quite often. It was a one, wonderful place to go down the Gulf of Mexico. We love it down there. If you're attacked by a shark, where should you try to hit it? And don't 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 answer the Gulf. <laughs> I tried to hit it while I'm in the Atlantic Ocean. That's, That's right. not what um, we're looking for. It's either its gills, its mouth, its tail, or between the eyes. Where do you need to hit a shark if you can hit it to try to deter it? Where do you need to hit a shark where it's most effective? Actually, I thought it was the nose, but I think it's between the eyes. You want to hit that shark right between the eyes, do you? Do I? You'll be incorrect if you hit it oh. between the eyes. That's just going to make him mad. Well, You're supposed to actually attack a shark. He hates it when you hit him in the gills. That's yeah, a sensitive part where he breathes. Right. So there you go. All right, next question. Here is 12 of these. Oh, we may have to take this into the next segment here. Back to walk. When when are sharks? When, when were sharks discovered according to fossil evidence? When were they discovered? 345 million years ago, 600 million years ago, 115 million years ago, or 455 million years ago? When were sharks discovered for the first time? Evidence of fossils. Oh, I'm going to say that they would say D, 455. 455 million years ago. You are absolutely correct on that. 455 million year fossils of sharks. That's pretty amazing. That is amazing. Anything over fifty years, and it's just it's just all kind of runs together. Yeah. You could just say a billion or you know, I said that I don't know. When we found out what the temperature was on uh, on uh, on like Venus or or uh, Mercury, they're like it's uh, ten billion degrees. I'm like, it really doesn't matter after like five thousand degrees, really, how hot <laughs> it is. Because after a certain after a thousand <laughs> degrees, it's all just gonna melt. So be <laughs> on there. We'll have more of the shark quiz when we come back. At home, we got a taxidermy man. He's gonna have a heart attack when he sees what I brought him. <laughs> We will return after these messages. Super Slurpee. Now at 7-Eleven. It's the biggest, boldest, coldest Slurpee to ever quench a thirst. It's the 32-ounce Super Slurpee. And now 7-Eleven has a fantastic summer offer. Every Super Slurpee comes in a free plastic Superman 4, the Quest for Peace Movie Collector's Cup. Eight in all, 32 ounces of Super Slurpee and Superman 4 Movie Collector's Cups, only at today's 7-Eleven. If Monday's bad or Tuesday's sad, make a Saturday. That's a Sunday. If Wednesday rains or Thursday's gray, make a Saturday. Looks like a Sunday. Instead of half a banana and a pineapple ring, add yogurt cream smooth. Pop a grape on top and that's a Saturday for you. Make a weekend treat any day of the week. Make a Saturday. Now that's a Saturday. Stand by to receive our transmission. Hey, it's BK on the air. We're back. We're chock full of nuts here in the studio today. Alan is out, but we have Walt Murray is in here, and Brian Gwynn is in here. This is two weekends in a row you guys are in here. I appreciate y'all coming in and helping me uh, destroy the credibility of this radio station. For oh, you did not hours. need any help. I don't need any help. <laughs> Come on. Mission accomplished. Hard show coming in. I knew we were in trouble. So. <laughs> and, and they're my friends, everybody. Well, we were doing a quiz before we went to a break, didn't we? Yeah, that's right, we were. It's a 
Sharks and you know, Shark Jaws Bruce. Let's get to more shark questions. Is there any other? I mean, you can play this music to someone who's in the, in the villages of Borneo that have never oh, seen yeah. a movie in their life. Now go, Jaws! Yeah, shark! <laughs> That's why we don't go in the water anymore. They would know exactly what it is. What was the story that Don Wells told? There's a movie, there's a, there's a little TV special they called in, uh, Surviving Gilligan's Island. It's basically a documentary of them talking about the making of the TV show. And she goes, I was in some country one time where there were huts and natives and stuff and everything and we were going on some kind of mission you know to help help out or whatever with her with her with her group and this lady walked up to her and just looked at her and just said Marianne Marianne and she couldn't believe it I said the power of television and pop culture I mean in the 60s my aunt said you know long before you were scared to go in the water in the 70s the way we were after seeing Jaws she goes we were scared in the 60s to take a shower because of oh, Psycho. psycho. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, so whatever happens, you know, whatever happens to be the hot movie of, of showing people getting killed is what you remember uh, growing up and for her it happened to be Psycho. Uh, who did I ask the last question to? Do you guys are keeping up? Are you keeping up? No, we're no, not keeping not up. Well, all right. <laughs> we're both terrible at I think this. It was, I think it was Brian. I'll go to, I'll go. No, it was, was it the Bones? question about how many bones uh, no i think it was there was another question okay there. so it's maybe it was brian so then i'll go to walt for this next one here's the next shark question we've got this is nine of ten questions we only got one more shark most sharks are cold-blooded true or false most sharks are most sharks are cold-blooded are cold-blooded. true true that is correct Woo-hoo. I start to ask a What's trick question. Aren't they all cold-blooded? No, they're all cold-blooded. All. Uh, shark, okay, Brian, last question. Here we go. And it's going to tally everyone's answer up all together. So we'll see how you guys did as a, as a couple. You guys are a couple in this, <laughs> in this quiz. So, yeah. Well, you can quit holding hands over there. You'll convince me. <laughs> no, it's, 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 support. We're just supporting We don't have a camera in here, so I have to describe what's going on. Sharks can go into a trance. True or false? Walt? They can go into a trance. That's Brian. Wait, Walt two, Walt one. Oh, sorry. <laughs> did I do it again? <laughs> yes, you did. Will you guys do me a favor? Would you just switch <laughs> just names read, read for a little while? Because okay, I never call him. Week. I never call him Brian. So just you're both Walt. Okay. <laughs> right. While we're here on the air. So well, if it was Sean in here, you'd just both be Murray. <laughs> right, Brian, whose name is also Walt. Right. Shark can go into a trance. True or false? I would say yes. Very. Fix all that in the podcast, by the way. You say true, all right? Uh, correct, they can. Good it job, Other Walt. It all right. doesn't say Thanks, what Walt. the trance is, but it says they can go into a trance. All right, both of your your entire tally, does it say? Oh, no, the view results. Here we go. Let's find it. Results. You've really got some work to do, so you missed enough to, hmm. to at least oh, get wow. that. Yeah, uh, we're not very smart. I get don't that get little Shark Week. I don't. Walt and Walt <laughs> Prime and did not do a very good job here. <laughs> which is which, though? Exactly. Because if you're Walt Prime, that means you're the real Walt, because that Spock Prime from Star Trek right. is the real Spock, in my opinion. Well, I did exactly. have a goatee, so I'm so probably evil Walt. Well, evil I have a goatee, too. Oh, wait a minute. That's a problem. Brian, I know you personally. <laughs> I know you personally, Brian. There's not one evil bone in your body. This guy's the most... Easy going, nicest guy. Cute little I guy could not lift up you've meal, ever seen in your life, or the millionaire, or whatever. I couldn't lift. Can't Thor's pronounce hammer. it. I could, yeah, therefore, I still couldn't lift the hammer. Floor's like, yeah. you cannot pronounce it, so therefore, you cannot lift I am it. Not <laughs> 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 How do we get on? Did this? you see? Did you see the picture of of 
of Thor's hammer on the top of the toilet. Yes. And Spider-Man's got to pee. That and is he's looking awesome. Like, I can't take it That off. was amazing. That's great. Oh, by the way, I haven't, uh, I haven't uh, given out the phone number because uh, there's a reason for that. The phones are not working. I feel like I'm in the. Jo- I feel like Richard Dreyfuss and Jaws. Uh, the shark is not working. <laughs> the phones are not working. I made the movie better. Hopefully, it makes the show better. <laughs> well, it would be taking away from the show, taking a call. So that probably is not true. Yes. It probably would be better well, to take a call. Well, my brother tried to call in. So yes, uh, it made the I show had better. Phone problems. So just bear with us. We're going to be. Uh, we're going to be all right. Let me do this story before we take a next break because I don't have story a long time to do another story. From WSB-TV here in Atlanta locally, Georgia's film industry brought in a whopping $4.4 billion into the state's year. That's from the, the office of the governor here in Georgia. Can you believe that? $4.4 wow. $4 billion. That's crazy. That's four Avengers Endgames. Wow. That's, Avengers that's Endgame made over a billion dollars. Crazy. 4.4. In a news release this past Monday, the governor's office said production spent $4.4 billion in Georgia for the fiscal year of 2022. The state hosted over 412 productions, including 32 films and 269 TV productions in all. Wow. Here in the state of Georgia. Movies filmed in Georgia claimed... Four, all the, These movies filmed in Georgia claimed four of the top six spots for the highest domestic gross movies in recent years. And those movies are... Spider-Man No Way Home, Avengers Endgame, Black Panther, and Avengers Infinity War. Hello, Marvel wow. Studios. Wow. There you go. Those four movies are four of the biggest grossing movies, and they were filmed right here under our feet. Wow. In Georgia. I guess maybe some of those uh, threats of we're so leaving. So much for leaving Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> you know, here's the thing. You know why I think, uh, leaving politics out of it, I think Georgia, I think Hollywood did not leave Georgia because to them, there's only one thing that matters is that bottom line I was going to say, money. it's the tax money. Because you save money here, you're going to make more money. Yep. So it really is about money after all. Yeah, kind of funny. They can say that all they want. Well, it doesn't really care. We make an artistic things and we're not really into the having you know, billionaires are evil. And uh, what was the, what was the other who was that other person? Who was the who was the lady that had that song that sung that song uh, your beautiful num- uh, talking about your inside your beautiful it doesn't matter is it Aguilera? Yeah. And I'm like it's great that she sung that but I'm like it's not really true. <laughs> right. I'm sure cuz they they spend 2 hours in the makeup chair <laughs> before they go before the camera. So I guess it does mean something. So just don't be a hypocrite, all I say. Come on. Just uh, just stay with it. Come on. <laughs> and when we come back, I got a story about uh, that I got that Fancy Feet's cat food company opening that restaurant. We'll do that. Can't wait. When we come back, clearly. It's not what you think. I, I thought it was something else, too. And we'll do On This Day in History, too. I forgot to do that. And we'll talk about Light Magic, the Industrial Light Magic docuseries on Disney+. Plus. It is fantastic. It's BK on the air. I'll be back. Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. What happened? Uh, I had a slight weapons malfunction. But uh, everything's perfectly all right now. We're fine. We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? Want to taste something rich? Nestle's new $100,000 bar. Oh, wow! Tastes like a hundred thou. Hey, Joe! Tastes like a lot of dough. Get back! Tastes like a hundred thousand snacks. Nestle $100,000 bar. If you're looking for a really rich-tasting candy bar, try Nestle's new $100,000 bar. Explosively crunchy crispies, lots of luscious, chewy caramel, all covered in mouth-watering chocolate. 
for a taste as rich as its name. Come on, give it a bite. Hey, Swell, love that chewy caramel. All right, there's lots of crunch in every bite. Look out, the $100,000 bar is so rich you want to shout. Nestle $100,000 bar. Man, it's the best candy bar I ever had in my whole mouth. You know it's true, Mr. Potato Head, I made you. Eyes and ears, mouth and nose too, Mr. Potato Head, I made you. And now Mr. Potato Head's Sheriff, Fire Chief, and Lady Accessory Kids. Mr. Potato Head's sold separately. Mr. Potato Head, I made you. Mr. Potato Head and Mr. Potato Head Accessory Kids, each sold separately from Romper Room. Here on AM 1450 and 100.3 FM, WBHF, not WKRP, WBHF. Of course, it's about like WKRP around here. There's just that many wacky and crazy personalities around here as there was at that place. I have this story from MASH.com, MASH.com, and we still need to flash the audience, so this is kind of a precursor to that. Did you know the Cat Food Fancy Feast is opening a cat food-inspired restaurant restaurant for humans? Here's the story. Most dogs will eat anything you wave in front of their noses. Mine doesn't. But cats have a reputation for being a bit more discerning and, uh, I don't know, like uh, like like uh, the, the Morris the Cat. They're a little finicky. They're finicky with their daily meals. Sure, they might eat a recently dead fish off the ground, but given, given them the wrong flavor of dry niblet, or an unfamiliar brand of freeze-dried minnows, and you might have a hunger strike on your hands when it comes to cats. In this regard, <laughs> brands like Purina Fancy Feast perfectly encapsulate the picky diet of the average house cat. I wouldn't know, because number one, I am allergic to cats. Horribly allergic to them. And number two, I'm not a big cat fan. I don't hate them. Don't get me wrong. I love animals. And I have met a few cats that I like. You know why I like the cats that I met? Because they acted like dogs. They were kind of dog-like. That made me like them. Because uh, what, 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 what do we say? We, we were talking one day about uh, with Commander Clark once. I said, uh, "Cat, you're you're not. They're not your pets. Y- y- they're you're their pet. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Cats will. Cats will. If we were the same size as cats, they'd eat us. Yeah, well, they true. would. That's oh, yeah. that's the thing. That's how cats are. The brand which boasts itself as the most popular brand of gourmet wet cat food in the U.S. per PR Newswire is also. Bent on celebration, uh, celebrating the bond between humans and their feline companions. Last April, Fancy Feast chef Amanda Hasner released Petite Feast, a cookbook whose uh, tapas-inspired uh, uh, recipes aim to help you eat like your cat. Now Fancy Feast is advancing its mission to merge the cat-human culinary experience by launching an Italian uh, place for cat lovers in New York City. New York City? Get a rope. <laughs> in honor, uh, get some catnip. In honor of its new globally inspired medleys recipe, Fancy Feast is debuting a limited time Italian style restaurant and culinary experience in New York City as per a July the 26th news release. The pop up Gatto Bianco promises to bring the mealtime experience of cats. For, to life for cat owners and cat lovers as well. It will feature a special appearance by none other, none other than the brand's fluffy white spokes kitty whose breed is a chinchilla 
I didn't. I don't remember what a chinchilla cat looks like. I guess he does whatever that cat is in the commercial, in case you're wondering. While inspired by cats, the Italian-inspired dishes you'll find at Gatto Bianco are strictly made for humans, uh, courtesy of Fancy Feasts' Amanda Masner and Michelin-winning Italian chief and New York restaurateur Cesar Casella. If you're ready to hire a cat sitter and book your plane ticket to the Big Apple, the pop-up will begin taking limited reservations, 16 people only, via open table starting this past Thursday. You can do it August the 4th. So there you go. It's not going to be cat food they're serving. We knew that. Or cats. But yeah, or well, it didn't say that. <laughs> it didn't. Say but it. but you know what's funny? It's it's weird because even though they're not serving cat food, you hear that and you're like, I just don't feel comfortable knowing it's them. If that's you say it in French, it's better. Running, it's, it's, it's like it's in French, right? Uh, yes. It's like it's like going to the restaurant that's <laughs> run by who created this who created this menu at this restaurant over here? Oh, it's the Purina Dog Chow restaurant. I'm like, I don't want to go there. No, I'm I just good. Don't go. Well, when they say that, I mean, number one, gourmet wet cat food. Oh, that sounds very appetizing. <laughs> and eat yes. like your cat. My daughter's cat eats mice and right. anything else it may find around the yard. I'm I'm good. On the floor. I'm right. good. Yeah, that. sure. Didn't uh, Blofeld have a cat like that? Yes, he that, did. Yes. And so did Dr. Evil. <laughs> Speaking of Bond and and uh, Austin Powers. <laughs> was it, wasn't Austin Powers, wasn't Dr. Evil's cat named Mr. Bigglesworth? I think so. Yes. Yeah, I think that's right. Bald, I think. Oh, yeah, that's not. right. Yeah. Well, there's another streaming show on Disney Plus that I am watching. Uh, as we, I've seen the first episode, and so has Brian. Visual effects create the magic that makes people want to go to the movies. Movies are special effects. I leave it to the genius that is ILM. I realized that I was going to have to start a company. We didn't really know what we were doing. George wanted a bunch of guys who didn't know what was impossible. Visual effects would never be the same again. It goes back to that group of unpretentious, brilliant people. We were the Rebel Alliance. Magic, original docuseries streaming July 27th, only on Disney+. Plus. That means it's already started in the air already. We, I've watched the first episode of it, and you know what's funny is you heard the voices mixed in there. That was George Lucas talking, Steven Spielberg, and it was Ron Howard mm-hmm. was in there talking to all of them, which are very familiar with special effects. Light and Magic is here, the six-part, document, the six-part documentary series on the history of industrial light and magic. When Dennis Murin first read the script, he was one of the effects guys that we're talking about. When he first read the script to the original Star Wars in 1976, the technical wizardry required to tell the story on the screen had yet been created. Simply put, the man who would go on to win nine Academy Awards for his work as a visual effects supervisor, that's Dennis Murin, saw George Lucas's vision and thought, that is impossible, he said. Now, you know, Dennis Murin also went on to work with Ken Ralston on uh, The Wrath of Khan, mm-hmm. and ILM did The Wrath of Khan and a lot of the Star Trek movies, too. Well, it wasn't impossible. For nearly five decades, Dennis Murin and many other legends of filmmaking have pioneered technological advancements at ILM. That's Industrial Light and Magic, the special visual effects, animation, and virtual production division of Lucasfilm, leading to the new documentary series, which you just heard the trailer for there, Light and Magic, now streaming on Disney+. Plus. Now, Brian, you saw the first episode. We only saw the first one, right? Right. Yeah. I saw the first installment. We'll talk a little bit about it in a minute. Directed, the the, the, the series, the, the docuseries, is directed by acclaimed writer and director Lawrence Kasdan. I saw oh. that at the end. I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. The six-part story delves into the personal and professional history of these pioneers of modern filmmaking whose work inspired the entire industry of visual effects with unparalleled excess. New interviews and never-before-seen footage and photos, including home movies. They showed a lot of stuff on that first episode that I'd never seen before, mm-hmm. of like the behind-the-scenes stuff of Star Wars and them working 
working on it. A lot of that I hadn't seen, and I thought I'd seen a lot of it. The series was created in collaboration with Imagine Documentaries, uh, recently founded by Ron Howard and Brian Grazer. Quote, I suggested a history of visual effects because even though I had been around visual effects throughout my career, it occurred to me that I didn't know much about them, unquote, Lawrence Kasdan said of the project. Now, he's a director, you know, and writer himself. The six-part documentary series premiered on, it just premiered on July the 27th, as you heard, on Disney+. Plus. And we, uh, when did you watch the first one? Uh, I noticed it this week. I just saw it last night. Yeah. I'm like, okay. i got to watch this. this is intri- and I wanted to watch the rest of it, but I said, I've got to go to bed. Yeah. I have to get yeah. up in the morning yeah. and go to the radio station. I can't stay up late. So it was fantastic. Don't did you think the same thing I did? You, Walt, you haven't seen it yet, right? I have not. You need to see it. It's, it's, it's I know I got five more episodes to go, and it's going to be great. It's about how all the, the Lucas was over in, in England filming the live action stuff in the studios for Star Wars, like you know this lightsaber battle and all that stuff they had to do. But these guys were over in uh, California. In this warehouse, this dingy warehouse that they they had gotten ready to put to put together all this stuff, they had to they had to invent cameras, they had to invent new ways of doing things that had never been shot before. A lot of them were, were skeptical, and they loved two thousand one by Stanley Kubrick. But they go the special effects shots in two thousand one are beautiful. They hold up today when you watch it. But it's all slow. The ships are big and they're moving so slow. Lucas wanted to go. I want to be able to follow these ships around like World War II combat sequences. And that's what he wanted. He would send them film of World War II footage of, of right. planes and stuff. Did you get the same feeling that I did watching this, that all these people, by some lucky fluke, knew each other, and they all came together at the perfect time to do this, yes. all of them? Yeah, I mean, that was yeah. that was amazing. Yeah, just the, when uh, I, I remember growing up, seeing little snippets of of how they were making these things and how these effects were coming about by these just dumb luck and just a lot of thought. A but lot they were of, smart too. Very, very smart. Intelligent. Yeah, I'm not saying it wasn't. Uh, I'm not. I'm not downplaying by yeah. any means. But I, I mean, these, these were the things I started to watch. That I looked forward to rather than the movies themselves. Was the makings of and then Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, Superman. Um, all the those those my heroes changed from those guys to Spielberg, George Lucas, Phil Tippett, and these uh, and Dennis Muren and, and Douglas yeah. Trumble and these all these guys. Were, those were new heroes. Watching how it came from thought to paper to film to screen was like what? That is, it's just it's an amazing show. The stuff that so, you learn watching this, uh, and I knew it later on. I didn't know this when the movies came out, but you know when the ships and the X wings would fly by the camera mm-hmm. and the Tie fighters would fly and the the, the Millennium Falcons flying around, the ships never move. Right. In the effects. Right. It's the camera that's moving by the ship to make it look like it's moving and it's this motion camera they had to they had to get. And what was the other thing they said in the special in the first one? Oh, they said all these Vista Vision cameras from the forties and the fifties that these studios are not using anymore, they got them. They just Paramount like uh, Paramount Pictures okay. had them or something like that. They had them or they got a hold of them and they had to rebuild the insides of right. them and make them and suspend them from the ceiling to shoot down on things and they'd learn how to shoot uh, in the old days they would shoot explosions. In space, but they'd shoot the camera right. They just blow the something up in the in the studio that they're filming mm-hmm. against black, and something would blow up. And you know how something when it explodes, it blows up. Then due to gravity, it falls down like like you know to the ground mm-hmm. when you got the camera pointed at it. Well, they're like those never looked realistic because in space nothing would fall this way. Right, there's no gravity. So what they did is they they blew it up from the ceiling, and put the camera under it. That way everything would blow out towards you. Yeah, and it looks like a real explosion in space. Little things like that. 
were amazing. But these guys came together, and I learned something. I learned some. I thought I knew a lot of it, and I do. I do remember a lot of the stuff because we we're into this stuff. We we tend right. to know a lot of trivia about it, and we get a lot of stuff wrong sometimes, and we don't know things. But the one thing that I walked away with that I had no idea, mostly because he wasn't credited, I think, for it. Do you remember? I might. I'll mention one of the names of the guys. Richard Endlin. Have you ever heard of him? Mm-hmm. Richard Endlin worked on, I think he was on Close, maybe on Close Encounters, mm-hmm. Empire Strikes mm-hmm. Back, and uh, Star Trek II, Wrath of the He designed the companion from Star Trek, the original series, the companion creature. Oh, yeah. It. And you guys ever, you see when Star Trek comes on and it says Star Trek starring William Shatner, yep. it has a certain letter font. It, right. It's that look to that little Star Trek. They even used it for the old 9 J.J. Abrams film, that Star Trek font. Richard Unwin created that font. Oh, wow. Wow. And he said, I was uncredited for that. And I had no idea that he wanted to be an ILM. The things that you learn. Yeah. It's a great documenting, documentary streaming series. I'm sure Brian will give it a thumbs up. Yeah, it's about It's time been good so far. we got four more, five more episodes to go. It's a six-part series. BK on there. Light and Magic on Disney+. Plus. Go see it. It is industrial light and magic. Magic, for sure. The first electronic football games like these were for only one player. And run. But something was missing. Can I play? Wait your turn. Then along came head-to-head electronic football by Coleco. Now we can play at the same time. I'm offense. I'm defense. With head-to-head, you're really in the game. A power sweep. He fights through for the tackle. You pass. He blitzes. Intercepts. This is real competition. Why settle for a one-player game when you can have it all? Play alone, against the computer, or for real competition? Play. Head-to-head. Why settle for less? Open wide, America. Burger Chef's got thick, juicy, terrific burgers for you. 100% all beef. We really work hard to serve them hot and delicious. So you can take them to our works bar and make them taste even better. The way you want them. You're going to love our burgers. Open wide, America. You never can forget. You get more, more, more to like at Burger Chef. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. You're listening to BK on the Air. Now back to a guy who put me through a lot of pain in childbirth. I'm his mother, I should know, but I love him anyway. It's BK on the Air. That's right. Happy birthday, Mom. I didn't mean to cause you all that pain 56 years ago in the delivery room. Hey, that was between you and Dad. I had nothing to do with that. (laughs) (laughs) It's nothing to do with me. I was going to say, there are a lot of women that could have come on and said, you caused me a lot of pain. I just didn't want to remain where I was. I had to go somewhere. That could have been a school teacher. That could have been (laughs) just about anybody. Well, I know that we're a little late with it because we're kind of out of control here, which is fine on my show because it gets that way. But it's time that we flash the audience of the news, the weird, the strange, the fun, and bizarre and it looks like Walt I have the first news from the UPI a Minnesota woman whose fingernails have a combined length of 42 feet 10 inches gross was awarded two Guinness World Record titles Armstrong who has been growing out her nails for over 25 years said her longest nail is her right thumb at 4 feet 6.7 inches and her shortest is her left pinky measuring 3 feet and 7 inches long. Ugh. Armstrong Armstrong said she initially started growing out her fingernails after her daughter Letitia died from an asthma attack at the age of 16. Wow. Now when I hear that story here's what I'm thinking. How do you how do you function though? I mean, I couldn't do day to day activities with nails no. that long. How do you how do you do that? I mean, I'm sure she gets around it somehow and does it. So I can I, I would I would break it. I mean, how do you drive? How do you cook? How do you? I'm not even going to mention restroom trips. Yeah, 
Especially for right. a guy. I'm not going to even go there. I got the next news. <laughs> Trying to get out of this. From UPI. Authorities in Alabama, Alabama are teaming up with local zoos to attempt to track down and capture an animal spotted hopping along the loose in Tuscaloosa County. Can you can you want to take a guess? I just gave Kangaroo? it Kangaroo? Yes, in Alabama. The Tuscaloosa County Sheriff's Office said animal control deputies are working together with Bingham Farms and Exotics to try to capture the kangaroo seen hopping around this past Tuesday morning along Rose Boulevard near U.S. Highway 82. Investigators said the kangaroo did not escape from Bingham Farms and Exotics. Well, sure it didn't. Is that mm-hmm. where they have them? Right. I don't know. The sheriff's office is working to identify the animal's owner. Quote, do not try to approach it, Deputy Martha Hocutt said from the Tuscaloosa News. There are wild animals, and they are not cute little fuzzies. They can hurt mm-hmm. you. Kangaroos can hurt you. We don't know what food or water source he uh, he has had, so that can make him a little more dangerous, unquote. I've seen the guy get attacked by a kangaroo on on that video in Australia where he's like yeah. smacking him and punched him like a boxer. Yep. Don't mess with kangaroos. The kangaroos not, are no, no joke. No, don't mess with them. Well, I have the next news. UPI tells us that a Canadian company announced it it is seeking a chief candy officer to make up to $78,000 a year working from home and taste testing candy. Oh, really? Do tell. Well, Candy Funhouse, an online candy retailer, posted a job opening to LinkedIn seeking a chief candy officer whose duties would include being the head taste tester and helping to determine what <laughs> what products will be sold on the website and which of those will carry the CCO or chief candy officer stamp of approval. CCO, yeah. The position pays up to 78 thousand dollars a year and is open to anyone over the age of five the company said so wait a minute over the age of five over the so age you of can five have a child get this job and make how much seventy eight thousand dollars a year dollars a year what it doesn't tell us is do they pay for the diabetes treatments and for well, the i mean that's the later. teeth i mean new teeth just do that so yeah Wow. Well, if you're getting into the dental stuff, that ain't enough money no. to get paid Mm-mm. anything like that. I got that is crazy. News. Ah! Also from UPI, a seven-year-old girl from India broke a Guinness World Record for limbo skating. Let's all be clear here. We all know what limbo is. You you lie down on your uh, your back, but you never touch the ground. You know, when you limbo under a bar doing the limbo thing. She's doing limbo skating. When she strapped on her roller skates and glided limbo-like, under 20 cars in 13.74 seconds. Under cars. Wow. Guinness World Records confirmed Denisha Nahar of, of, of Poon broke the world record when she skated low to the ground for a distance of 193 feet underneath 20 cars in the process. She broke the previous record of 14.15 seconds, which was set by a 14-year-old girl in China in 2015. How do you lean back and limbo under a car? Now, a big, bigger four-wheel drive truck or whatever that's, that's raised, I understand. But how do you limbo roller skate under a car? Can anybody do that? Mm-mm. They did. Two, two, two girls did it. They did. That's I can't pretty even impressive. Put my mind around that. that is I'm not going to try. Well, I have the last news. Unless we make it a stunt here at the station, we have a lot of that is publicity true. for yeah, it. Or, we could, or uh, the Savoy. We could do it under the Savoy. There you cars go. The Savoy yeah, Museum. just do it at the. Uh, yeah, yeah, that'd be pretty okay. awesome. You, I'll, we'll both do it. 
<laughs> that would be the fastest and dumbest <laughs> stunt we'll ever. Let Brian and Alan cover it. Yes, <laughs> that would be it. amazing. Because we'll be out the next weekend. And there they yes. go, and they're stuck. In the hospital. <laughs> It's a live remote. Well, a Guinness World Record was broken at a Montreal museum when 491 people participated in a slime-making lesson. What? Slime? Yes. Hey. <laughs> um, people are waving at yes, us. Yes, people actually know we're out there. It's like we're animals in a zoo. You know, we just want yes, some food. Yes, we are. We are the animals of animals. We animals. She wants to give us food. Thank you. That's awesome. Well, Guinness World Record... Uh, Guinness... Yes, the Guinness World Records announced the event at the Montreal Science Center in Canada broke the record for the world's largest slime-making lesson. The lesson, led by local slime star Yannick Bergeron, was organized as part of the Science of Guinness World Records, a traveling museum exhibition, Guinness said. Bergeron led the participants in making their own slime using water, calcium chloride, and sodium alginate. Sarah Arsenault, one of the organizers of the record attempt, said Guinness rules require at least 90% of participants to remain for the entirety of the lesson, and all of those counted had to create their own slime. He slimed me. <laughs> wow. Their own slime. I didn't even, What is that show on Nickelodeon that was on? You can't do that on television. Remember oh, that? Where the yes. slime mm-hmm. would follow them and hit them? Yeah. So uh, their own slime. I didn't even know there was such a thing. That has to be one of the lamest the, world records ever. It is. <laughs> or the one that's staring at, uni- at, at acorns. Yes. I stared uh, at an one. acorn for 22 days Watch straight. Watch unicorns. Yeah. <laughs> I want to outdo that one. I want to break that one. I want to try to break that one. <laughs> Oh, it's BK on the air. We didn't do On This Day in History, too. Let's get to that and do that. We were just behind on everything because we were having such a good time. Today is what? Let me check. Oh, it's August the 6th. Today in 1960, Chubby Checker performs his version of Hank Ballard's The Twist on the Dick Clark Show, starting a worldwide dance craze on this day in 1960. Let's do The Twist. Yet another thing that might put me in the hospital. (laughs) Can't do the twist. Only in 1960. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it might have been before that. Yeah, me too. Today in 1965, the Beatles, the Beatles, released their fifth UK album, Help, on this day in 1965. I'm sure right after that, it made it over this way, across the Mm -hmm. pond in America. Uh, Today, here's a local one. 1982, 50 years ago, WQXI in Atlanta is the first station to use the Harris Corp AM stereo system. Wow. For a while, they tried AM AM broadcast stereo on AM broadcasting stations, which was really a bad idea because I think WSB AM 750 in Atlanta did it too for a little while. Because okay, let's think about it. Listening to scratchy AM sometimes, <laughs> you know, when you go under a bridge, listening to AM even in in the city. You get this crackling noise or whatever. And I used to hear it. I used to listen to a show on AM 750 when they were in stereo and AM. And when the crackling would static in, in stereo, it sounded even worse because it was jumping from one speaker yeah. to the next. And I think they abandoned AM stereo a long time ago, which they should have. FM, that's another story. Today, 50 years ago, what movie was still number one in the box office? I'll give you guys a hint or a guess. You want to guess? 1982? On this day, this movie reclaimed the spot every now and then. It would go out of number one, then it would go back. Yeah, then it would go Star out of number Wars. one and then come back. No, 1982. 82. 50 years, uh, 40 years ago, sorry. 40 years ago, it was E.T., the extraterrestrial. Oh, E.T. Uh, number yeah. one. Mm, 1982, 
40 years ago, number one in the box office, Eye of the Tiger by Survivor is now 40 wow. years old from Rocky Gosh. 3. 1991, Tim Berners-Lee releases files describing his idea for the World Wide Web on this day in history. WWW debuts as a publicly available service on the Internet. And uh, let's go to the box office. Uh, what premiered on this day? Oh, the movie that we care about. Anyway, The Fugitive with Harrison Ford. Great premiered movie. on this day. Another great positive, great way to remake a TV show into a movie. Yeah. Brought to you by Best Foods, makers of Skippy Peanut Butter, Golden Griddle Pancake Syrup, Mazzola Corn Oil, Mazzola Margarine, and other fine products. Carrots taste better. It's the only margarine double blended for creamy, buttery taste. No wonder more homemakers use Blue Bonnet than any other margarine. Corn tastes better. Everything's better with Blue Bonnet on it. Buttery! This semester has placed you in a dreadfully precarious position. You're playing the most phenomenal game ever created. Your skin grows cold from your first glimpse of the enormous beast. It's a product of your imagination. Survival depends on a quick, decisive move. Your choices are limited. Stand and fight. Use your lightning pole. Victory is yours. Win the treasure. TSR Hobbies. Dungeons and Dragons games. Products of your imagination. I remember the day the girls came over for Bridge Club. I was so embarrassed because of lingering odors. Fish for dinner last night? Aren't we still smoking the cigars? Christ, did a cow sh in here? Hey, we're back. It's BK on the air here on AM 1450 and 100.3 FM WBHF. Let's go to the birthdays on this day, August the 6th. Lucille Ball, American comedian and, and actress. I love Lucy, Mame, the, the 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 Lucy Show, whatever you can name <laughs> that she was in. She was born in Jamestown, New York, and she died in 1989. Lucille Ball. You know, she did one more Lucy Show in the 80s called Life with Lucy. Yeah, or something. something like and that. It, it, yeah. it only lasted almost a season, but it didn't work out. But she did have one last hurrah. Today is Robert Mitchum's birthday. Another great actor, Robert. Yeah. Mitchum, uh, the original Cape Fear, The Winds of War miniseries, The North and South miniseries, all the things he was in. He was a great actor. Uh, died in 1997 and you guys are star trek fans as well you know that you know uh, all a lot about star trek today is katherine hicks's birthday american actress from peggy sue got married star trek for the voyage home is the whale biologist and from the child's play movies the chucky films. oh yeah and right a few of those as well great actors too she had a short-lived tv show called tucker's witch where she was uh, her, her and tim matheson i think it lasted not quite a season on cbs where she was a witch that helped him solve mysteries Mm. It was an interesting interesting show, but it just didn't catch on. Today is Michelle Yeoh's birthday, the Chinese-Malaysian actress from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, uh, Tomorrow Never Dies. She was in uh, Discovery, the Star Trek show Discovery. And she was also in uh, this one, the Mummy sequel, the third one, called The Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Uh, great actress, too. I thought she was great in Tomorrow Never Dies with, with Pierce Brosnan. She was that Chinese 
uh, agent with him. And I'm like, man, if they made a spinoff movie with her, I'd see it. She's a great, she's yeah. great in this. I like her better than Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> you really don't like Pierce. Where's the love for Pierce from Walt? We're not going to get any. Not going to get any. Remington Steel for Walt in that state. Right. Hey, did you know it's another? Here's we've got some national days today. It's always National Something Day. Today is National Fresh Breath Day. Freshen up Freshen's breath with a tingly liquid center. One bite squirts refreshment all over your breath. Freshen your breath with Freshen Up. Your gum nickels squirt. Gum that squirt. That's right. Freshen up gum. The gum that goes squirt. That was Ugh. that was my nickname in high school. Squirt for different reasons. I was kind of short. So today is National Fresh Breath Day. Today is also National Root Beer Float Day. Oh. Something I can take or leave. They're all right. I usually liked ice cream, or I liked root beer. Didn't necessarily. I was never a float guy. I never liked Coca-Cola floats or anything. I liked frozen Coke as a kid growing up, but not the floats. It was weird. I didn't hate them. I just didn't. Wasn't my. I still love root preferred. beer. Oh yeah, I, I love root beer. IBC man. It's and the, mm, it's the bomb. today yeah. is National Wiggle Your Toes Day. Today. Okay. I have no idea why. But it is. Have you both done that today already? I'm doing it now. You're yes, doing it right I now. Okay. Did. Yeah. Thank you for reminding special. me. <laughs> <laughs> reminding you that he's doing it, or you have to do it. No, I think I, I, I realized okay. I'd not done it for about a minute. He hasn't so. done it yet. So thank you. For, he's got a wiggle. Thank those you for the reminder. Baby. Well, you can uh, with your new bride, y'all can wiggle your toes later if you want. Get okay. <laughs> Get into that. <laughs> Send me a text. No. <laughs> Whatever you want to do. That's cool. <laughs> Have you guys been looking at the uh, the James Webb Space Telescope photos that this James yes, Webb Yes, they are amazing. Back? Did you? I have this story. To, listen to this. I didn't know they were going to do this. This is from Kelly Hayes at KMSP Fox 9. The James Webb Space Telescope is to be featured on a U.S. postage stamp, which is an honor yeah, in itself. Okay. I mean, Elvis has had one. They've had stamp, Star Trek stamps. They've had, uh, what else? Did they do a Jurassic Park one? Or something? I can't I remember. I'm looking at Brian. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Come on, Brian. Did they do a stamp sure about a, you? They did a Brian I'm Gwynn sure stamp. A, yes, yeah. there is. The James <laughs> Webb Space Telescope, NASA's powerful new tool to see faraway light from the corners of the universe, will soon be traveling through the U.S. Postal Service. USPS announced this week that the $10 billion James Webb Telescope will be featured on the news stamps, which will be coming and available on September the 8th. Isn't that the premiere of Star Trek? Isn't September 8th when Star Trek premiered? I think that's the premiere of the original series. The original September time. 8th or 9th. It's 8th or 9th. It's one or the other. Pre-orders can also be made online starting August the 8th. And the new stamp features a digitally created depiction of the world's biggest and most powerful space telescope against a dazzling starscape and features its 18 mirror segments. USPS Forever stamps are 60 cents or individuals can purchase a sheet for uh, of 20 for $12. This James Webb Space Telescope rocketed away from uh, last December from French Guyana and South America. It reached its lookout point one million miles from Earth in January. Then the lengthy process began to align the mirrors, get the infrared detectors cold enough to operate, and calibrated the science instruments, all protected by a sunshade the size of a tennis court. 
on this wow. satellite. So that wow. gives you the idea of the size of this thing. A tennis court sunshade size. That's pretty big. That's big. About it. Earlier this month, NASA unveiled the first series of images from the Space Telescope, and they were stunning, if I may say so. I mean, I've never <laughs> seen deep space photos look that great. I mean, the Hubble had some great pictures, but this is like going from picture tube TV to flat yeah, screen this HD. Is, it's amazing. And I don't want to give Hubble, I've said it before, I don't want to give Hubble a 140-yard no, no, complex. No. He's doing a fine no, job. No, Hubble's a great guy. Yeah, he's uh, awesome. Now, one yeah. image was the farthest humanity has up. ever seen in both time and distance, while another showed a sparkling landscape of baby stars and the foamy blue and orange view of a dying star. So we're, we're seeing everything that's going on out there. When I see a giant image of the Death Star or the Star Destroyer or the Cygnus <laughs> from the black hole, that's when we need to be worried. Yeah, or some giant creature where, like, get this is a weird image that's coming back, and it's moving with arms. It's coming right out of us. It looks like an octopus, and it's coming toward us. But it won't be here for another million years. Oh, well, so we got good. some time. Yeah, we'll yeah, be okay. <laughs> so it's amazing to think how long the light that we're seeing from these things took to get here. Yeah. See, I, that's what I can't wrap my head around. You know, how how long it took it to get here. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, a long, long time ago. Very and I had a problem. Far, I think I, far away. I've said, this. <laughs> I've said this before. I had trouble uh, understanding what infinity meant when I was a kid. I didn't get what having no end, infinity, I didn't really get what that meant. And my dad explained it to me. Good old dad. Once your dad's gone, you always go, Geez, Dad was right about so many things. I just didn't tell him while he was still here. I'm learning all the learning all the time. Yes, Uh, he said. Well, let me try to tell you about infinity, son. Here's what infinity means. Let's say you're standing in a room, and you're looking at a wall. You're right in front of a wall in a room. You're just in a room with a wall. He goes. Here's here's how best way I can explain infinity. (laughs) Infinity is you go to toward the wall, but every time you move toward the wall, you go halfway every time you go. You move halfway every time. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, but you eventually get there. He's like, no, you won't. If you go half the distance, if you split it in half, yeah. every time you move toward the wall, you'll never make it. That's infinity, only going halfway toward the wall. I'm like, I think I get it, Dad. I think I get it. Thanks for being here, guys. I've had a good time. Yeah, Thank you for being here. Well, at least Twiggy's on my side.